we got down, like I said, into, uh, I think we finished up verses or 1 through 7 in chapter 38 here, but like I said, I just, because it's been a couple of weeks, even if it's been a week, I usually like to try to remind ourselves of what we're talking about in a particular chapter when we left off halfway in it. Um, <clears throat> but in this chapter here, in the first seven verses, we have, ultimately we have Judah. Uh, as verse 1 says, he departed from his brothers. Uh, he had left and went down to a friend's house, a, an, a Dolomite, if I remember right, a Dolomite, I think that's how you say it, uh, whose name was Hira, uh, <clears throat> which later on in this chapter we'll see that this is his friend. And, uh, but he goes down, Judah goes down and stays with him. And while he's there, he, he sees a Canaanite woman <clears throat> whom he ultimately takes to be his wife. And she gives him three kids, uh, Ur, uh, what was the name of the second? Onan, and uh, Sheila. Is, I'm sure I'm saying those names, or at least that last one's wrong. But so she gives him three sons. And verse 6 and 7 says that, uh, obviously after some time had passed here, that Judah had went out and, and took a wife for his oldest son, Ur, and her name was Tamar. And in verse 7 was very interesting, where it says that um, Ur was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord killed him. Now, I wish I could tell you more about what was going on here, but... All we know is that Ur was wicked uh, in the sight of the Lord, and that the Lord had killed him for it. So whatever that, that entailed, you know, we don't know. We just know what we have written here. Unless, Jim, do you have any other information? I can't even imagine what's going on here, but, but it is definitely something bad. So any thoughts or comments for the first seven verses here before we bust on into verse 8, and, uh, 8 through 10 here? All right, well, let's look at verses 8 through 10. It says, And Judah said to Onan, Go unto your brother's wife, marry her, and rise up an heir to your brother. But Onan knew that, that the heir would not be his, and it came to pass when he went into his brother's wife that he, he emitted on the ground, lest he should give an heir to his brother. And the thing, and the thing which he did displeased the Lord, Therefore, he killed him also. So, <clears throat> we have this, this uh, even though, and it's in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 25 and verse 5, if my notes are right here. I didn't go back and double check that this morning, but, um, <clears throat> but my notes, I have it in Deuteronomy 25, 5, uh, where in the law of, law of Moses, that this is the way it went as far as... <clears throat> uh, if the brother was to die before uh, a son is born to him, then the next brother in line would take that brother's wife and raise up an heir <coughs> to his older brother's name. But my point in saying that is even though that it was later on that we find this being uh, part of the law of Moses, that it was uh, apparently uh, in place at this time because of what we have written here. And so... Judah telling Onan to do this, and Onan looking at the aspect here. Why, why was it that Onan didn't want to do this? I don't want to sit here and preach to you this morning. Let's just ask the question now. What, what was it that he didn't want to do this? 
All right, didn't want to give his dead brother an heir. Why, why would that be? Because uh, uh, he was the firstborn, and there you go. So, and, and I think Mike was going down that line there. Um, <clears throat> he was going to be the firstborn, so if, if he was to raise up an, an heir for Ur, an heir for Ur, look at that, uh, then uh, Onan would not get the double inheritance as what would be passed down to him if Ur didn't have a child. And so, therefore, he, uh, he did not want to give his brother an heir. And because of this and his thought process and the way that he, he was going about this, in verse 10, as we see, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord killed him as well. So we, but we know why the Lord killed uh, Onan, <coughs> to where with Ur, we're, we're unsure of the exact reason, but here we have Onan. To make sure that the, the wife or the widow, in a sense, the mother, would be taken care of. All right, is that where you was going, Jim? When you think about that aspect and you think about the fact that we have Judah here <coughs> whom has three sons, two of them which are gone now, and you've only got one son left, what happens if, if uh, Sheila doesn't have a son? Family dies. Exactly. So we've taken the 12 tribes of Israel down to 11 ultimately if that was the case. And, and just a reminder here, what, what tribe is it that Christ came from? Judah, very good. So, which not that, that was a hard question, but just to <laughs> remind you though that that, that was the uh, this is the lineage that he comes from, which is all the more interesting when you when we continue to go through this this uh, chapter here. All right, well let's look at the next. Uh, well, we're just going to look at verse eleven and <coughs> make some <coughs> and make some comments on that. Verse eleven says. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow in your father's house till my son Selah is grown. For he said, Lest he also die like his brothers. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. So <clears throat> to begin with, what, what do you think Judah's got on his mind here? That's right. I mean, you know, it, Kind of makes you wonder if, if if he's sitting there thinking, man, what is she feeding these boys? <laughs> you know, what is she slipping in here? <clears throat> but uh, but absolutely, he does. He didn't want to lose his his youngest son here. And as we'll see uh, later, I, I mean, he uses the the excuse that uh, his youngest son isn't uh, old enough here. At this point in time, to uh, to to marry her, uh, but as we'll see later on, it was never really in Judah's uh, uh, mind to really give her this son as well. As we'll see, like I said, as we'll see later on. But um, also, as we see later on, it may be that. Judah's hoping that she doesn't continue to to uh, be uh, the grieving widow, but yet to uh, defile the relationship here with the family, and, and ultimately uh, Judah would be uh, not forced to give her the, the youngest son anyhow. But, but she goes back to her father's house. That's ultimately the, 
the aspect that we have going on here because of um, of Sheila not being grown old enough, and uh, and it says that Tamar went back. Any other thoughts or comments here, though, before we keep going? All right. Verse 12 says, <clears throat> Now in the process of time, the daughter of uh, Shuha, Judah's wife, died, and Judah was comforted and went up to his friend to and went up to his sheep shears at Timnah, he and his friend uh, Hira, the Adolamite. So it says uh, in the process of time. So this makes me think that this has been, you know, that, that some time has passed by here. This hasn't been, you know, next month or what have you. This has been a, a great deal of time passing by here that his wife, that Judah's wife dies. And, uh, and it says that he was comforted. And when it says that he went up to his uh, sheep shears at Tim, Timna, I had read, which I never really uh, thought too much about this, but I had read that uh, most likely this was some kind of a, of a almost like a, a festival that would go on here when, when they're at the sheep shearing. And, uh, and so that's why he went up there, him and his friend went up there uh, to this festival, I guess you can say, as far as the sheep shears. Uh, all right. Well, looking at verses 13 and 14, it says, and, and it was told Tamar, saying, Look, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. So she took off her widow's garments, covered herself with a veil, and wrapped herself and sat in, in an open place which she was which was on the way to Timnah, for she saw that Sheila was grown, and she was not given to him as a wife. So just reading those two verses there, what's something that we can find out about um, about Tamar here? Was she uh, staying true to what she was supposed to be doing? See a couple of heads bobbing. Um, absolutely, because it says that she took off her widow's garments. So we see that that she was she was uh, going through with what she was supposed to be doing. She went to her father's house and and apparently still had on her, her whatever the widow's garments would be here. I'm not a hundred percent sure what kind of garments this would be, but apparently there was a definite uh, uh, tell as far as what's being done here. Something different being put on. Because um, she put on her veil, if I remember right. Because later on she's covered, so I'm assuming she put on a veil. Can't remember what it says here. Oh, and yeah, in verse 14 there it says, "Covered herself with a veil and wrapped herself." So it's told to her that that uh, her father-in-law's going up to shear his sheep in Tamar, and so he she takes the opportunity to take off her widow's clothes and go and sit in this. Uh, open spot uh, that's on the way uh, to Timnah. And as we'll see what's happening, let's look at the next few verses here. In verse 15, it says, When Judah saw her, he thought that she, she, he thought she was a harlot because she had, her, she had covered her face. 
Then he turned to her by the way and said, Please let me come in to you, for he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. She said, What will you give me that you may come into me? <clears throat> and he said, I will send a young goat uh, from the flock. So she said, Will you give me a pledge till you send it? Then he said, What pledge shall I give you? So, so she said, Your signet and cord and your staff that is in your hand. Then he gave them to her and went into her, and she conceived by him. All right. A lot being said here and a lot of things going on here. Not a whole lot of narrative that we need to really go into a lot here. But obviously, uh, Judah saw her as a harlot. And... uh, and and so, upon agree, agreeing on a later payment, she wanted something to to be able to make sure that that at least in Judah's mind it was like a okay, well I'm definitely going to come back for this, so I'm going to give you these things so that you can get your payment. But uh, the things that she asked for here uh, was significant because they were uh, they were unique. It was. It was something that someone would be able to look at and know, that's mine. You know, the, the signet cord, the uh, staff, and, uh, and driver's license. There you go. Uh, yeah, the signet, the cord, and the staff. Yeah, so ultimately that's a good way of putting it there. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give you my ID here. And uh, so it was, it was unique. It was something that would definitely have had told what was who was uh, who it was? Verses nineteen through twenty-three says so she she arose and went away and lay aside her veil and put on the garments of her widowhood. And Judah sent the young goat uh, by the hand of his friend the Adolamite to receive his pledge from the woman's hand, but he did not find her. Then he asked the men of that place, saying, Where is the harlot who is openly by the roadside? And he said, There is no harlot in this place. So he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. Also the men of the place said, There is no harlot in this place. Then Judah said, Let her take them for herself, lest we be ashamed, or we be shamed, uh, for I sent this young goat, and you have not found her. So Judah, trying to make good on his promise as far as the payment goes here, uh, sends the goat uh, up there, which I find interesting that he gives it to his friend to take up there and not taking it up there itself. Um, and as he walks around trying to find this woman, asks the people of the town, hey, where is this heart that was sitting over here a few days ago? Says, oh, well, there ain't no harlots around here. Um, and and so he comes back, says, look, can't find her. And Judah says, what? So don't worry about her. You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and keep tracking her down. You know, it, it's it's not on us. We tried to try to make good on this payment. Let her just keep the the staff and signet cord and what have you. So he felt no no. Uh, Problems with not paying, 
other than just having the, uh, the pledge given to her. Any other thoughts or comments here? I know this isn't a very interesting set of scripture here, but I had read that a couple of weeks ago um, when I was preparing for this. Because of the covering of the face, uh, just like you have cults now, there would be cults of other gods or what have you at that point in time. And part of the aspect of that is uh, the sexualness of that cult. And so they would do this kind of prostitution type thing, I guess, is from what I remember of it. Any other thoughts or comments on that? Jim, do you have any other information as far as the cult things? Yeah? Yeah, it is. Because you know, you've got the two sons here that are being killed for being wicked. And here, um, in, in Judah's mind, he's just going to go out and, and, and lay with his harlot, not really knowing that it was his daughter-in-law. And, and then, not only that aspect, but you're thinking about the... Uh, the, the 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 way that he's wanting to be so um, hypocritic on this aspect because as soon as he finds out Tamar is pregnant, oh man, let's bring her out. And I'm not going to spoil the, the news for you. We're going to read it here in just a minute. But uh, but absolutely, you know, he, in his mind, yeah, it was fine for me, but not for for you. Um, but very good. Anything else, sir? All right, let's read the next little bit so that you can find out what happened. Yes, 24 says, And it came to pass about three months after that Judah was told, saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has played the harlot. Furthermore, she is with child by harlotry. So Judah said, Bring her out and, let's be, and let her be burned. Like I said, here, here you have the, the uh, him just being a hypocrite and... and every sense of the matter because here it is that, that he went out and, and, and was with a harlot and, and not knowing that it was her. You know, it almost makes you wonder, you know, in the back of his mind if he thought, oh, you know, Tamar went out and, and, and played the harlot and now she's pregnant. You know, it, it, maybe in the back of his mind he's in there thinking, man, you know, I just did this about three months ago myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's funny because as soon as you started talking about your, that, that popped in my head about David and Bathsheba there. But, uh, but very good. Anything else? Sir? Well, in, um, if memory serves me correct, like I said, it's been a couple of weeks since I've really dug into, because I already had this kind of prepared and I, and I hadn't, I didn't really do all the digging back. I was just going over my notes from it. But if memory serves me correct, um, and, and I don't know if it's if it's the particular law of Moses or if they were just throwing back as far as uh, what um, uh, what was customary at the time or what have you. But if say the woman went through all the sons, it was really the father-in-law was to give her the heir at that point. So. You're just a kind of thought there, you know, and so, and I think that's why he's like, you know what, I was wrong, but it's, you because I didn't give her my son, you she, she has an heir by me, and so that makes it 
somewhat okay, I guess. Not so much the way that it happened, as you're saying. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely not not the, the way. But in the next uh, few verses, are you kind of seeing back and off like, man, she got me. <laughs> so absolutely good comment, sir. Um, verse 25 and 26 says, when she was brought out, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man whom these belong, I am with child. And, and she said, Please determine whose these are, the signet and cord and staff. So Judah acknowledged them and said, She has been more righteous than I because I did not give her, uh, I did not give her to Sheila, my son. And he never knew her again. So, <clears throat> so here we have, like a like I was saying a minute ago, as far as the the aspect of of if all the sons went through and the father or the father in law would give her the the heir, but um, but as soon as he he saw the signet and the cord and the staff, I imagine I can only imagine him sitting there in his chair and seeing the servant bringing those to him. He's like. David and, and Nathan the prophet there is what Jim was talking about. You know, as soon as Nathan says, you're the man, here it is, you're the man, um, you're the father, so, you know, take it up with yourself, you know. It, come out here with me and, and burn beside me in a sense, you know. Um, so he was, uh, you know, he acknowledged that it was her, uh, that it was him that the, the, the child was fathered by, and... Uh, and where it says that, that he never knew her again, I think some of them says that, uh, anybody got another version that says something else? I can't remember. It, but basically, he just never went into her again. I think that's what some of them say, is never went into her again. Um, well, this is ultimately the heir that Fort, Fort Ur would be, what this would be considered by. Right, I mean, it'd be like, what is it, half-brothers or something like that? I mean... It, Physically, that would be what it would be, but you know, I guess ultimately it would be be like uh, I guess Sheila had half brothers and um, nephews here. So, um, all right. Well, let's finish off the chapter here. It says, "Now, now it came to pass at the time came to pass at the time for giving birth that behold, twins were in her womb." And so it was when she was giving birth that the one put on the, that the one put out his hand, and the midwife took a scarlet thread and bound it on his hand, saying, "This one came out first. Then it happened as he drew back his hand uh, that his brother came out unexpectedly, and she said, "How did you break through this breach be upon you?" Therefore, his name was called uh, Perez, which ultimately means breach or breakthrough. Afterward, his brother came out who had the scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zira. I think that's how you pronounce that. So as Jim made mention, we had a very uh, special birth here. For one, just the, the aspect of what's going on here should have marked him. I want to say 
Perez, the one that, that had broke through, that is the one that Christ came through, correct? Yes. Um, so he had broke through in uh, just as, and um, now he had broke through death in a sense, if you think about it in that standpoint. Right, absolutely. And I guess my favorite way of looking at that is how that God can take a bad situation and turn it into a good situation. So, any other thoughts or comments, though, before we, as we finish up chapter 38? We've got a few more minutes, so I'm going to take advantage of that and jump on 39. All right, so here we're going to flip back around, as you will see, and we are going to uh, go back, in a sense, to the uh, thought of Joseph here and what's going on. Like, and I can't remember if I said this last week, but just uh, in case I didn't, or if you weren't here well, last week, two weeks ago, uh, if you weren't here or, or, or what have you, one of the reasons why I feel like that we have this this uh, chapter 38 is also to, to see, because ultimately Judah had married a Canaanite woman, and all these things had passed, had come to pass through the marriage of this Canaanite woman. And in a sense, we have what happens if they continue to stay in the land of Canaan because they're going to continue to marry into Canaanite women. And as we go through uh, the, the, the rest of this, this book, we see how that God ultimately uh, pulls them out of the land of Canaan and puts them into the land of Goshen, where they become a mighty nation amongst themselves. Uh, so they don't keep intermarrying in these uh, different uh, people around them, but yet they're going to be secluded to themselves in the land of Goshen, uh, and then brought back out of there into the land of Canaan later on. Uh, but just wanted to pull that back out, and I thought that was kind of an interesting thought as far as why we might be having the passage of what we have going on in chapter 38 but I mean also as we were making mention you know 38 shows how Christ came through you know some of the different things that the lineage of, of, the, of the people the lineage of Christ but just another way of looking at 38 as well but, all right well chapter 39 says uh, we're going to look at the first couple of verses here it says now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him, uh, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was, success he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. All right. So, like I said, we were reminded of what happened to Joseph to begin with, because it the last verse of chapter 37 tells us that um, Joseph, after he was sold uh, to the Midianite traders, that he was taken down into Egypt and uh, sold to Potiphar, or taken into Potiphar's house, or however it was where. I can't remember exactly how it was worded there. But here we, we are reminded once again of what's happened to Joseph, where he's gone, and who Potiphar is. Because it says Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh, uh, which, uh, and it says he's a captain of the guard. 
and it also makes mention of his his uh, heritage. He's an Egyptian, uh, you know, not another uh, uh, nationality or anything, uh, but he is an Egyptian. And in verse two, we find something that's uh, that continues to be reminded of us throughout this chapter. Uh, for not only in verse 2, but we see in verse 3, and verse 5, and verse 21, and verse 23, all of them are saying, and the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. So we're, we're made known and, and, and just, just no doubt in our minds that it was because the Lord was with him is why these things had happened the way they did. Absolutely, and just to kind of piggyback on that, you know, and he's a young man. This isn't somebody that's up in his 40s or anything. I mean, as I was planning on discussing later on, you know, the last time we heard of an age, he was, he was 17. You know, now, I, I know some time had passed by here, and I don't know exactly how much, but let's just say he was 20. I mean, he was still a young man, you know, and, uh, and yet he, did, he overcame these things. Well, we're going to stop there because everybody's coming in. Thank you for your comments and attention.